I'm Christina. And I'm Megan. And, and this, this is, is the, the Aftermath of Sex. Hello. Here we are for another episode. Yes, we are back. We are. Can I just tell you that somebody tell, told me that I say hello the same way on the phone? Okay. Hello. hello. Like, oddly. Okay. I'm like, do I really say that? And then I answer the phone and I do. You did. <laughs> you know. Hello. I don't know why I do that. I used to answer, this is Christina. And you don't anymore? No. Oh, okay. I felt like it was too much. It was too much. And so now I'm just like, hello. <laughs> Sometimes I will answer, hi, this is Megan. If I, if it's like, I know it's like a business call or like, yeah. a, you know, they're going to want to know that it's me. Yeah. I know who's calling or something. Right. But I just thought how odd to answer your phone. This is Christina. I think a lot of people do that. Really? I don't think it's odd. Or I say, this is Christina. <laughs> <laughs> So your tone, your tone changes. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. How was your, how was your life today? <laughs> yeah. Things are just moving along. Yeah. I was about to ask the people, but. I know, but we already established that they can't answer back. It's true. Today. I had a very good week because I turned a certain age. Yes. That matches my. Yes. Christina had. Quite the birthday. The big four zero, y'all. I know. Yeah, I've entered into I, I really don't feel much different. I know. That's what happened to me when that when that day passed. Yeah. Too. It was like the same. Huh. It's just another day. I know. I'm still doing things. Yeah. We had a bunco party. Yeah, how'd that go? It was super fun. Did you get lots of money? I missed you. I um did I get lot well, so how they how my husband set this up was that people brought $20 and half went to the birthday girl and yeah. half went to like the prizes, Yeah, which I thought was fun. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. And then I, um, I think I want, well, I lost, well, so I won, I tied for second most wins. Okay. And then we had a, a roll off with dice and I lost, oh. but I, I but felt already won. Yeah. I felt odd yeah. taking the win, I was like, just taking. They're like, no, that's not legal. Right, you must right. roll off. And I was like, okay. So, but it was really fun. Oh, good. And they decorated my whole house. Oh. There was like a photo booth. Oh, fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was really yeah. sweet. I'm glad yeah, you had a good time. It was a good time. Good. Yeah. Well, I actually realized I was talking to some students today because we were talking about like being in your twenties, and some of them want to go be doctors and stuff. And I was like, you guys, like. 20s is rough. It doesn't matter if like you're in school or if you're not in school or you're, I'm like the 20, I, I don't want to go do my 20s again. Yeah. You had a good time traveling as a nurse. I, but I just, I, it wasn't as fun for me. I'm like the 40s is where it's at. <laughs> the 40s is yeah. where it's at. I might agree with you. I mean, I, I was a traveling nurse and I ventured all over yes. the land and I did have a really good time in my 20s. But I also was super naive, which made me enjoy my time in my 20s more than I might should have. Well, you know, you know. But, 
to be young, right? Yeah. yeah. Live and learn. Mm -hmm. I look back and I'm like, oh man, mm -hmm. I got myself in some sticky situations. Yeah. Sounded like some good times though, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to be where I'm at. Yeah. And I, I'm not sad that I'm 40. No. Yeah. I don't feel bad about being in my 40s at all. I feel really great about being 41. You know what? I, I guess I had always thought you were younger than me. I don't, I knew you turned 40 last year too. And I'm girl, I have a 20, almost 22 year old. You are old. You're like <laughs> grandmother material. I know <laughs> uh, my mom was a grandmother. I made her a grandmother on like around her 39th birthday. Yeah. So that was kind of my, a personal goal just for myself. Just like you know, maybe I'll just make it to 40 without being a grandmother. Like I had any control over that at all. <laughs> well, <laughs> but here I am. You now did. I actually, I don't think I'm going to be a grandmother until I'm like 50. I'm starting to wonder. That's okay. It's okay. Let her grow. No, I know, but I'm just. Let him grow. Yeah, no, I know. They've got lots of time. They have lots of time. But just the way that she talks sometimes, I'm like, is she ever going to have kids? <laughs> She's got to have She's fun. Gonna... She's going to have fun in her 20s. She is. Yeah. Yes, she is. Yeah. All right, moving on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have for us? Megan's got some fun things for us today, I think. Yeah, we are going to talk about cesareans, and I'm actually really excited. So if you want to know more about the history of cesareans, just take a listen to our last episode that went out on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. And, and don't forget to share your stories. Oh, yeah. So if you had a cesarean or yeah. a vaginal birth. Yeah. Or if you have a veggie tail or something just happened to you at the gynecologic office, yeah. throw in their stories. We need your stories. Send People it. Send it to us. Yeah. Um, the aos411.com is our website. Yeah. And you could also email us at the aos411 at gmail.com. Yeah. Yeah. Just get us your stories, people. Stories. We need the stories. We do. And a like and a review. Yeah. Would, would be nice. Yeah, we do appreciate that. <laughs> We are really excited. We have like a bunch of new listeners. We so do. A new listener. Thanks for listening. And if you're an OG listener, like, thanks for that too. Thanks for loving us. Even yeah. um, during the time that Megan wasn't as loud. Yeah. Cause that was a thing. We're still working on it. <laughs> we We're still working on it. Um, but it'll improve every time I think. Yeah. Yeah. But, but now I'm just sitting six inches from the microphone and Christina's <laughs> like two and a half feet away. <laughs> I'm a decent yardstick away. It's fine. I'm going to be kicked out of the room pretty soon. Be like, talk to me from the next door. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, let's just dive right in. Okay. Now here, here we are. Okay. So cesareans, just in case you didn't listen to the last episode and you're like, well, what is a cesarean? Yeah. Yeah. This uh, entails cutting through the skin, abdominal muscles, fascia, peritoneum, and then through the uterine muscle to remove a baby that cannot be born vaginally for whatever reason. And there are lots of reasons. There are many. We're going to talk about them today. Ooh. But first, I'm going to throw some statistics at you. Okay. So let's just see like where we sit in the world with okay. rates. Okay. Rates. Um, so in Africa... The rates vary greatly between re regions. I'm going to yeah. actually go by continents first. I'm going to break this down in different ways, but we're going to wow. go through the continents first. So Africa has an average of 9.2%, but uh, it can be anywhere from 5 to 32%. 
And I suspect, I know Christina's making this face. She's like 9%. Well, they just don't have access to the way that we do. So there's just not access. Like if you think about in these little villages and stuff. Okay. Um, around. So I was really proud I, of my personal cesarean rate. And in Africa kills it. <laughs> well, it? well, what um, is yours? Just tell us right off the bat. Give us your statistic. Uh, if you look at this month, it's real bad. No, I'm kidding. Um, if you look at overall from all of my years, it's between nine and 11%. Yeah. That's really great. Yeah. Yeah. You're For, sitting right there with Africa. Yeah. I, um, well, you know, I take care of low risk population. Yeah. So, um, my, my rate should be lower. Yeah. Yeah. Very so good. I'm probably average amongst my peers, my well, colleagues. I maybe don't assume that until you look. Well, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Any questions about Africa? Well, I think that that's, <laughs> you know, that's something to say, you know, access to care yeah. really drives. I'm sure the, I, you know, mortality rate goes yeah. up and, and I didn't look at that specifically when I was looking at the different. Countries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but five to 32%. Yeah. That's, that's an Quite incredible grab uh, gap. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't even think of a word. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move over to Asia. Okay. Um, there is quite a range here too. It's 12.5 to 33.7% with an average of about 23.1%. Huh. So, and I think, you know, when you're really, yeah, looking at, you know, larger cities that have, you know, access, I think it really has a lot to do with access yeah. versus like this, the smaller remote mm -hmm. places. Yeah. Um, Europe, the gap is much smaller. So um, the average is 25.7% in Europe with a range from 24.2 to 30.1. Oh, it's pretty so small the gap's smaller. Yep. Yeah. And then for the rest, I don't have a range. They're just they're giving you one average. Okay. So in um, North America, it is 31.6%. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, and then South America is the highest with 42.8%. Wow. Holy schmoly. Holy schmoly. That's I a, like that word. That's a lot. Yeah. I feel like it's getting a little on the high side. I mean, 42%. That's that's almost I, half. I know. Okay. Um, we Aust have some work to do. Yeah. Australia yeah. and New Zealand is pretty close to ours at 33.5%. Uh-huh. So North America is in third place because and then the world total is 21% overall uh -huh. in the world. So wow. it's still like that's still a lot of it's surgeries happening. That's one in three or one in four. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. a lot. All right. So in 1970. Wow, yeah, taking us back. Just I like a little it. Bit. 1970. 1970. The now we're going back to just the United States. Okay. okay. So um, the rate was 5%. Isn't that interesting? And then in 1991, it rose to 23.5%. 1991. 1991. So 5% in 1970. 1991 is 23.5%. So um, I, I remember one of the obstetricians that I work with saying that they would labor moms for a long, long time because they were worried about their own personal cesarean rate. Oh, maybe yes. that's what was happening. It was a competition back then. 
I don't know. Maybe, like, I mean, just, yeah. <laughs> I don't know I'm about that. Comment, but but um, it's just interesting, the politics of the time and how that influences your numbers. Yeah. Um, it would be interesting to go back and just see, like, what, Look at all the what was practiced, yeah. what was being practiced back then and what yeah. was being expected and what did you have to offer first yeah. and all of that. Yeah, all of that. Mm -hmm. So then from 1991 to 2016, um, it rose from 23.5% to 31.9%. Mm -hmm. That's really not terrible. No. Mm. No. I, yeah, it, it wasn't terrible. I think that um, I'm not entirely sure the big jump from 1970 to 1991. Don't you think it's just access to access, care? Yeah, because I bet you there wasn't yeah. people doing them that often or who had felt yeah. comfortable. I mean, right. I I know it was just last week, but I can't remember when um, cesareans became more of a regular thing. I thought it was in the 70s. Yeah, yeah? it was like between 1950s. 1950s around there yeah it was more access but yeah again when you think about how many hospitals were doing them you have to you know, train you and probably had to have been in like a more urban area to yeah access and so um anyway yeah, yeah. but a huge jump from 1970 to 2016 mm -hmm. um and with that actually came a lot of lives saved which is pretty cool yeah so um in 1970 the infant death um, rate was 19.8 deaths for each 1,000 live births. Wow. So that was a lot. Yeah. And then that is so many. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And then in, but in 2016, um, it went from 19.8 to 5.87. Wow. So that's quite the all, improvement. Yeah. 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 Saving these little babes. Yeah. So really, um, lots and lots of babies have been saved. Um, I don't have infant or uh, maternal mortality yeah. rates. There's just lots of factors when you're analyzing infant mortality or uh, maternal mortality rates that is just beyond this episode today. Yeah. So anyway, but lots and lots of babes that have been yeah um, been saved, like myself. Really? Yeah. And my daughter. And your daughter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. All these lives. Not to give too many sneak peeks of yeah, my birth story. But that's it. That okay. That's all you get. <laughs> that's all you get. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um when looking at rates too, there's like an overall rate. Um and then there's like a first time or low risk um rate. So it's called the NST NTSV. Um, which stands for, for, if I can use my words today, again, <laughs> You're, I'm rubbing off on you. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, sorry about that. Okay. So, um, nulliparous or first time, um, uh, mom, and then a term pregnancy. So this isn't going to be preterm, right? Obviously. Um, a singleton. So this is not part of the twins and triplets, um, or more or eight or however many, um, <laughs> and B for vertex, which means that the baby is head down. So yeah. not breech or malpositioned in a different way that would require in yeah. this case of the C-section. So in 2020, the CDC published, um, the U S rate, um, overall rate was 31.7. And then this NTSV. So this first time is 25.6. So that's for the U S overall. Okay. Um, Something interesting, and I didn't really know what this rate was just off the top of my head. I, I almost thought it was maybe a little bit more. I would be interested to know what it is at our hospital. But um, overall, 
um, 13.8% of women who attempt to have a vaginal birth after a C-section are successful. Yeah. So um, 86.2% of women who have a history of a previous C-section go on to have uh, or have a primary C-section go on to have a subsequent C-section. But 13.8% of... Well, and you have to think about um, choice. You have an option. Sure, absolutely. And so it's not necessarily that these women tried try, and failed, no. yeah, yeah. Um, but that they either opted to try and were successful or... Yeah, yeah it would be interesting and to see those. Have, I didn't look at the rate to attempts, like how many yeah. attempted, because that would be a big yeah. piece. But I think, well, I don't know. Do you... I don't have personal, well, I do have personal numbers, but my N is not big enough to like really yeah. statistically sure. see. Um, but I think the hospital does a good job. Our yeah. hospital is actually pretty good um, in comparison so to the national average. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. What is it? I think ours are um, our NSV. What is it? N. TSV. <laughs> our NTSV rate is like 18 to 19 percent. Yeah, that's so great. At our last um at the last check-in. So yeah, so we're doing good yeah. at our hospital. I don't know what the overall is. It's probably more like 20 something, but I don't remember. So that's okay. I really I, I more care about that first time mama. Yeah. And what our rate is. Yeah. Because um when you're thinking about walking into a facility, if you live in a big city where you have options and you yeah. have a choice of where you want to go. Look at the cesarean rate yeah. because your rate, your risk is higher. If you yeah. walk into the place, that's 47% versus 27%. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Anyway. Well, that just segues into my next oh, perfect. statistic because um, it really speaks to the facts that where you deliver matters. Yeah. And so um, Alaska, here we are, we have the, the lowest rate in all of the yep. 50 states at a 22.9%. Mm -hmm. So we're doing good things here in Alaska. Yep. And Mississippi has the, the highest yeah. rate. So 38.2%. Yeah. Percent. Yeah. So yeah, it really does um, matter where you deliver. Um, um, okay. It's so because I'm a midwife, I like to say that it's correlated to populations or areas that choose to utilize midwives in the way that we're designed to be used. Yeah. Because I feel like we have time and patience mm -hmm. and um, can call on our, our physician colleagues when we need them. But when everything is normal, if we're available, then less, less um, intervention, intervention yeah. occurs. And I think that that kind of coincides with yeah, lower cesarean rate. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I feel like that's anecdotal, but also probably statistical. Yeah. We just have to look at it. <laughs> yeah, which we haven't done today. Yeah. But yeah, good. I like that. There was a study done by the University of Minnesota in 2013 that identified a variation throughout the U.S. of anywhere from a 7% cesarean rate to a 70% cesarean rate in some hospitals throughout the U.S. Stop. In 2013, there's a hospital with 70%. Seriously? Yeah. Do you know where that was? I'm just, I'm curious to know where that was. Do you know? No, I it didn't. The uh, article. I could have some guesses, but I'm not going to do that out loud yeah, on this podcast. Don't, nope. <laughs> not doing that. Don't open that can of worms for us, my friend. No, yeah. <laughs> I will not. Anyway, but maybe if you. Nope. As a listener. Oh, yes. Where this might be. And you're welcome to share. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
Anyway, so those are some interesting statistics, I thought. So there are lots and lots of reasons to have a cesarean. And um, let's just go through them. Okay. So like, and could you possibly think of them all? Like, how, how can you think of them all? No, that's why I have a list. I know, but I mean, I'm just saying like so many. Does, like, <laughs> does the list include everything? Like a broken coccyx. Um, <laughs> I was this. just thinking of a random like, one. And I put this list together like a cu couple weeks ago. So let's, we'll refresh my memory. As yeah, let's list. do it. Okay. So the number one reason is really a primary or a previous C-section. Oh, know? yeah. For, so, so you're requesting it. Sure. Yeah, you're requesting it. And so okay. these are maternal indications primarily. So maternal request. Yes. Also. Okay. So I wanted to actually talk to you about maternal request uh -huh. primary yeah. cesarean. Yes. Yeah. Go for it. If you. Go for it. Well, so I mean, well, you okay? So here's the deal. Okay, that's what I give us. Let me just tell you because my. It's not without risk. It is not without risk, but neither is birth itself. It's true. So you have to think about all of the things. Mm -hmm. You have to think about the risks, the benefits, who you are as a person, mm -hmm. your mental psyche, yeah. your physical habitus, and then decide with you and your provider. I don't think it's outside the realm of reasonable possibilities if that's something that you desire. Yeah. And I think women should be afforded an opportunity to discuss that desire oh, yeah, and have a conversation of why it would be good for them or not good for them. And then, and then, um, you know, seek a second opinion should they not get the answer that they're looking for. Perfect. That's what I was looking for. Thank you. Really? Yeah. Okay. Great. I did it right. Well, this is what I, cause I actually have, I had somebody not too long ago who she really wanted to just have this beautiful birth. She had a history of some assaults mm -hmm. and um, she entered the hospital and had just an un, like she just had an, not a very great time mm -hmm. with one vaginal exam mm -hmm. and she was just horrified and already scarred yeah. and it was just for her like not going to work well right. and i actually offered her a yeah. primary cesarean to which she was like yes please yeah you know and, and i was the right thing i think that was the right thing for her but she might not have known that she could ask for that right. and so um and there might be a, another person that asked for it not because of that but for their family's visiting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe to them that is super important. I don't know. So you have to, you just, I, I encourage women to, to speak their Talk desire, about, yeah. but know that, you know, it's different. Yeah. Recovery is different. Sometimes. Risks are there on both sides, yeah. but might be different for you than, you know, than you might've considered. So yeah. yeah. Very good. Okay. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> so that's uh, my spiel yeah. you're over my spiel yeah, okay great. fine um <laughs> oh any anytime you want to interject by all means <laughs> um any kind of like pelvic deformity by the mom or a cephalopelvic disproportion which means like the baby's head is just not going to match with the mom's pelvis so i think cpd fell out of favor we don't use those words anymore oh interesting well do we we should talk to See, I maybe think... the cdc about that 
sure I think um, they frown on us using cephalopelvis the disproportion, but uh, in arrest of descent. Oh, arrest of descent. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so you're just chalking. Or an arrest of dilation. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Interesting. I didn't know that. Thanks. Well, I think it's hard to really know, to know if it's, yeah, exactly. if it's what is true. The, what's the true reason why? It's is not, it truly that or is it position or is it this, uh, you know, and I could be just making it up, but I'm pretty sure that we use the yeah. other terms. I mean, it's the same, maybe same difference depending yeah. on the situation, but sure. yeah. Thanks for clarifying that. Yeah. Um, a previous perineal trauma, yeah. such as like a previous fourth degree. Yeah repair. I've definitely seen those go for a C-section yep. after that. Cause that's a really traumatic vaginal repair or a female circumcision mm -hmm. that would definitely warrant that. Um, or any kind of anal or rectal reconstructive surgery, yep. pelvic surgery, any kind of surgery down there yeah. really yeah. You know, could be a reason for it. Um, uh, herpes and active herpes infection yep. and at, with active lesions. Yes. Um, an HIV infection. Yep. Um, certain cardiac or like uh, lung disease, pulmonary lung diseases could warrant that too. Um, for if, the maternal. If, yeah, for maternal, yeah. if labor is going to mm -hmm. um, cause some issues with yeah. that. Um, any kind of cerebral aneurysms or like arterial or venous malformations. Mm -hmm. um, that would definitely be a reason. Have um, you ever seen uh, arterial venous malformation? No. So for the first time in my life, I, I did one this past year. It was, it was a very interesting case. What? Yeah. What did it look like? Well, you can't see on well, the outside. So I'm like, did you ever see one? She, and I'm she, she knew that she had one. Interesting. Yeah. I what was going on. It was, it's very unique. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. It's different. Yeah. yeah. Um, a, um, like a failure to progress. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Arrest of dilation. Arrest of dilation. Yeah. Like all of these things that yeah. like, this happens. Prolonged second Pro stage of labor. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and this can be for, so. I mean, we do so many things to try to help things along. If this looks like this is happening and sometimes the tricks that we, you know, know and utilize work and sometimes it's just not meant to be. And so yeah. that would definitely be a reason too. Fetal distress. We're not there yet. Oh, sorry, my bad. I thought it was a guessing game. No. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. She's scolding me. No, and the reason is because then you're going to get me all messed up with my list. Oh, I'm sorry. I told you there was a lot of stuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll be quiet. I'll be good, Mom, I promise. Okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> For your cooperation. Okay. Um, oh, gosh. oh, shoot. Now I've messed her up. <laughs> okay. Then there would be like reasons if there were uterine or um, like other placental abnormalities or stuff like that. So um, an abnormal uh, placentation, that's a good word. Placentation? Yeah. Like so, an accreta? Yeah. Yeah. Like an accreta. Or a percreta? Oh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I I've actually, had one of those before. Knock on wood. I was, I haven't, is this wood? It's not real wood. Go. Um, I haven't been, had the pleasure of um, participating in that emergency. Thank God, because that's terrifying. Um, an accreta is when the uh, placenta embeds within the uterus. And so when it detaches, it's almost like it creates this like gaping wound or it won't detach. And it causes a tremendous amount of bleeding and is quite the scary emergency. And oftentimes it's not diagnosed beforehand. And so you go to 
So you just, it's just a surprise. It's a surprise. Yeah. Like not the surprise you want. Not the surprise you want. Right. Yeah. Um, or a placenta previa. And there's different grades of these accretas and previas, but which we can do a whole other episode on those. Placentas. Yeah, what placentas, a good day. Yeah, I love really talking good. about I placentas. placentas are my favorite. I actually take a placenta that's donated to Megan's class. I know. So you got to be on the lookout because that's coming too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, but a previa is when the placenta um, attaches to the uterine wall in not really a great place, like perhaps over the cervix. And if you if the cervix is covered, well, then there's nowhere for the baby to come out. It's like a mattress. It's, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard. <laughs> this is the first time I said that. But every time I think okay. of a placenta over yeah. the cervix, I'm like, it's like, it's like yeah. a big old mattress yeah. for the baby to lay on. Yeah. yeah. But that's all it's going to do is but lay it's, on it. It can cause all sorts of trauma. All sorts of trauma. All sorts yeah. of problems. And so. And a cesarean is necessary. Yeah. We talked about this before and how traumatic a placenta previa would be back in the day without oh, a yeah. cesarean. Oh my goodness. There's no way to live. There's no way to live. Right. Yeah. If it's, yeah. If it's too close or blocking it. Yeah. Um, another reason would be a placental abruption. Yeah. So this is when the placenta detaches from the uterine wall. This yeah. Is, this is also quite an emergency and scary yes. situation. Um, uh, prior classical incision. So classical. Um, yeah. So I'm going to talk about the. Okay, fine. Oh so I was telling Christina. <laughs> to shut a up. Lot, a lot of this, like, this is something that we do, you know, yeah. it's pretty like fairly routine for us. We know, you know, it's, oh, this, we've been doing this for a while. And so this I is, did a lot of this, like from memory. This is our wheelhouse. And so she's pulling it from her memory, but I need her to back up. Okay. Okay, fine. Okay. Anyway, we'll get there. Okay, fine. Okay. We are going to talk about the different, <laughs> different incisions. I'm going to sit on my hands. Fine. We'll just talk about it. Is that going to help my mouth? To, um, no. I have to get to the place. You know that I can't stop talking. I know. It's, I don't know why you think sitting on your hands is going <laughs> to. It's not helpful. No, it's okay. You can you can certainly interject. I just invited you to interject, and then I just told you to shut up. Like, that's rude. What am I doing? <laughs> I think it's fine. Okay. You anyway, can tell me to be quiet anytime. We'll talk about the uterine incisions here when I get to it. It's not, you know, I have a flow. Go with your flow. Okay. Unless it's anti-flow and then, <laughs> I don't know. Um, another indication would be like a, um, any kind of surgery into the uterus. Okay. Prior, you know, because yeah. it would be like the same as having a prior C-section. Okay. Um, if the, if the, She's so excited. She's so excited. I just have a story about this, I guess. And it was oh. many, many, over a decade ago. But, um, or if the, if a prior C-section scar breaks open. Yeah. So, if, yes. Uterine rupture. rupture. And um, we had one come in and it was a very preterm baby. <laughs> the baby was actually in the uterus. I mean, not in the uterus. In the abdomen. That's where they belong. Uh, they belong. <laughs> where do they belong? I'm sorry. But it had come out of the uterus and was just in the abdomen. Like that was a full on abruption or rupture, rupture, rather. Yeah. Yes. It was. And she had multiple prior She's floating in the abdomen. Floating in the abdomen. And did fine. The the baby came out crying because I think it was a little bit stressed out. Of course, it was very preterm. We shipped it right away. But um, actually, this, this was a good lesson. Let me just share this personal story with you. So, um, Valerie, if you're listening, I don't know if Valerie listens, but let's I just think go she back. might. Okay. Yeah. This Our little very, sweet Valerie. Yes. I love her so much. This is one of the most 
like I really learned a lesson that day and I'd only been a nurse for just a few months and I was still like in orientation. And when this happened, I just sat back and like watched the show. Like I was not, a, I didn't know what to do. I, you know, you were a baby nurse, you were a yeah. baby nurse, but the, the mom, she ended up losing her uterus. They were not able to sure put it back together. Yeah. And she had had lots of babies and like, like just a lot. She'd had a lot, you know? Yeah. And I said, well, like, does it matter that she lost her uterus? Because oh. I know. <laughs> oh, it's like, does it matter? I mean, she You're has a sweet like, little soul. Lots of babies already. And Valerie, our sweet Valerie, she gets this look on her face and she has these glasses. And she's like and looking look over the rim of the glasses. Christina the glasses look. And she was like, well, Megan, what if she wanted more? And the whole world made sense then when she's oh she had to say that but i you know until she like right. said that i didn't like under maybe she did maybe she wanted five more and when you lose your ability to have a child or make a choice or make a yeah then it's or make that choice yeah then it's there's mourning and grieving that goes along with that and we'll talk about that another but thanks pal that was a lifelong yeah well and i you know in your defense because you know you looked at me and i was like obviously like, what? why but, did you ever say <laughs> no. but really like when you're in that situation you're trying to find anything that remotely is trauma yeah. yeah and you're like that was really traumatic for me as her provider and i'm just so happy that she's alive does it really matter right. because she's yeah. alive and so then you had to then take it away from you, yeah. the baby nurse who's like, deer in the headlights, oh my goodness, this oh my just gosh. happened. Yeah. And while that was a lot to process, put yourself in yeah. her shoes. Yeah. And you would never think that now. No, right. I never thought it again. Again. That because right. I just needed but you had an ex some perspective. You needed perspective and you were a baby nurse. I it was, was over a decade, decade ago. I didn't know yeah. anything back then. Yeah. We, but you I, did yeah. know things, but... You, you, yes. as you age, <laughs> it's true. I might have another story when we get to it. If it oh, okay. Let's see. Um, she's withholding stories. It's only, oh. she only tells stories if appropriate. Me, I just tell <laughs> random stories, whether appropriate or not. So there you have it. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> I have to, I have to like keep myself in check, you know, yeah. because I get so excited about talking about birth. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's, I only have, I try to tell my stories appropriately and, um, you know, stretch them out over the four years that there. And I can't talk about birth all the time because that's right. not really part of the curriculum. So I have to. Yeah. It's exciting though. I get it. Um, okay. So also cervical cancer. Oh, that right. Would be, I know I just went to something Ooh. like there. Um, that would be a reason for a C-section. Um, prior removal. That would be a reason. And okay. <laughs> like you So they still have a uterus but no cervix? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Actually, I How rare is that? <laughs> well, pretty yeah. no. neither have you. No. <laughs> so, no. Um let's see. Any kind of like a uh, obstructive mass that would mm -hmm. um interfere like a fibroid. Like, like, yeah, like a, like fibroids. Yes. Um, or like a mass in the vagina or something that wouldn't allow the baby to pass through the vaginal canal. Um, 
definitely fibroids. And this. Oh man, she's so excited, this is y'all. That I learned about. Okay. And I asked all my friends at work the other night. I was like, did you guys know that this was a thing? And nobody knew that this was a thing. Now you probably do. But <laughs> okay, so we know a cerclage just for the audience is like if somebody has a history of um like dilating prematurely or incompetent cervix, like it's just not working correctly mm-hmm. and it it just wants to open up. Thin cervix. Um, yeah. Well, you can put some sutures in it. Like you can sew it up. It's kind of cool. If you Google a cerclage, it's really like a purse string. fascinating. It's like a purse string. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they can do what is called these abdominal cerclages where they actually go through like the uterus and they don't do it like at the tip, like the, um, the outer os of the cervix, which is where it would normally be done. Okay. It's more like the base of the uterus almost. And they just stay in there. Now, I did not get into all the reasons why this would happen, why you could do this. This is for another episode. I'll this is a uterine cerclage? It's called an abdominal cerclage. But it is it's it serves the same purpose as a traditional cerclage. They must not happen very often. Well, it sounds so much more invasive. Yeah. Because so you would, can actually see a cervix on a speculum. Yeah, so there would have to there's would probably be I'm so I'm interested. And I don't know enough about it, but I oh, will do another topic. I love yeah, it. Because that was something I was like, what is this? I yeah, I've never heard, heard of this. that and actually. I was reading about it, but I didn't write notes on it. I just <laughs> you're like oh, fascinating for later <laughs> for later <laughs> all right so those are maternal and like uterine or um you know the the placenta maternal or neonatal no no, no we're not. maternal yes. or placental or uterine uterine reasons. Reasons, reasons to have a cesarean yes that is so many already and that we're not even to not all even. of them yeah and also like this is uh, just a short list. There's going to be lots of other. It's a short why. list, you say. Well, yeah. I mean, there's <laughs> other. <laughs> like, I feel like there's probably other things that would come. It was up a whole that. page. I just don't want anyone who's had a C-section for another reason to be like, I feel left out. They didn't talk yes. about it. Um. So. If, and if you have, yeah, share your story. Sure, it would be a pretty unique thing. Yeah. But there are also fetal reasons. Yes. And this is where um, this can get kind of scary too. You know, yeah. like. Um, and then I'll talk more about that, I guess, anyway, later. Okay. So, um, a non-reassuring, reassuring fetal status. So as obstetric professionals, I guess I'm trying to think we're trained in monitor, uh, reading, um, fetal strips, right? So if you go to the hospital and we can hook you up to this monitor and we can see what your baby's heart rate is doing, and there's lots of things that we can look for and um, to determine the health status of your baby. Yes. So um, if it's non-reassuring, it means that there's um, something either that's going awry with that, or maybe there is an abnormal ultrasound mm-hmm. or something like that. So, but something that tells us that this baby is not doing well and that we need to do a C-section now that a vaginal delivery is not safe because mm-hmm. um, it can take too long. Um, and, oh, I got another story. This is full of stories. Okay. So umbilical <laughs> cord prolapse. Mm -hmm. So if the umbilical cord comes through the cervix, you cannot deliver your baby vaginally. Because if you think about the head and the body compressing the umbilical cord, that is life, the umbilical cord. It's where the exchange of nutrients and oxygen happens and stuff like this. Christina was just nodding her head. She's like, I know. No, I I, I have a story. Oh, you do? Okay. I'll do my first. Okay. Yeah. It was also a very new nurse. And when I was in orientation, I 
didn't get, I had lots and lots happen when I was in orientation. It was amazingly busy and crazy. And it was really great as like a new nurse to like learn all the things. Um, and, but I never got like vaginal twin delivery. And so I felt really gypped. I felt like I really should have gotten this amazing vaginal twin delivery because a lot of times there's C-section and it was something that my heart really longed for. And then for like two or three years, all these new nurses were coming in and talking about all these vaginal twin deliveries they had. And I just was sick of hearing about it because I just wanted one myself. Yeah. You know, like it was like something for me anyway. <laughs> it's all about you. It's all about me. So I get to work one day and I have the opportunity oh. to take care of these vaginal twin deliveries. Oh boy. And I was so excited being a good little nurse and taking care of my patient. And I go to do a, actually, I remember one of the fetal heart tracings was just a little suspicious, but not alarming. You know, sometimes. Oh man. Yeah. There's lots of suspicious. Was there a cord in between her legs? Well, I went to go check her because her water broke. And oh. then there was a cord there and I never felt it before, but I was like, this is not right. Like this is not right. I knew enough to know that it wasn't right. Yes. And so what we're supposed to do is we are not supposed to move our fingers from the vagina. We leave right. it there. We want to make sure that the cord doesn't come through anymore. So I'm watching the strip. And that the head is staying, up, the off head is staying the up off of the cord. Yes. And um, so I have we have these little handy-dandy walkie-talkie things that we had just got. Thank we God. Literally just yeah. got. And so I called my friend Valerie. Valerie, yeah. this this is an episode for you, Val. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, I call her and I say, "Hey, can you come in and uh, you know, like check this out for me? I'm pretty sure that this is a cord." And um, she comes in, and I didn't know it at the time, but you have to until this is an emergency. You're not going to deliver vaginally. You have to have a C-section. And so we had to like get everything ready for that. And um, at the time, I didn't realize what she was doing, but I I understood later. She didn't want me to sit there while all the excitement was happening. She wanted me to go and manage all the excitement. And this was before we had a charge nurse position. Okay. So um, anyway, she was like, okay, well, I'll just trade spots with you. And so she just slipped her finger in there for me. Yep. And then she just double checked too. But then she had, then I went and like managed everything, which was yeah. really good. Like just for the experience. She is, a, she was the best. Yeah. We love you. Val. And anyway, it was all, it was a good outcome, but I didn't get my twins delivery. My yeah. twins delivery. That, that cord came out. Cause that cord came out. Have you since one time? And it was Stop. the biggest cluster mess I've ever been a part of. <laughs> <laughs> so I hate to one up you, but I, my very first day. Your very first day. My very first day of labor and delivery orientation. Oh my gosh. This is what happened. Do you want to know what happened? Almost every nurse on the first day has a crap show. This wasn't a crap show. This was what I now know doesn't happen. Okay. Vaginal triplets. Vaginal triplets. Vaginal triplets. Not in the OR. What? Three residents delivered A, B, and C. It was girl, boy, girl. I would tell you their names, but I think that that's private. Yeah. Um, and I held a leg the whole time. I was that so was happy. So exciting! It you was triplets. Your vaginal triplets. Your first. I was hooked for life. It was an off orientation. It was my very first day to yeah, labor in delivery. As a there was zero patients on the floor. And so we had to go <laughs> look at where all the supplies were. Yeah, no, this was um this was fabulous. Wow. I so bet. I could oh man. I, I wasn't a brand new nurse. I'd been on um the mother baby unit yeah. and 
gynonc floor yeah, for a year. Yeah. And then I, I, that was my very first day of labor and delivery. delivery. It was really cool. That wasn't the story yeah. I was going to share, but I, uh, I had to one up you. Yeah. So bad triplets. How disappointing. Take that. Yeah. (laughs) Just kidding. It was so cool. No, that is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And um, my cord, going back to the prolapse cord, um, you said that they never can be delivered vaginally. And that's typically the case. Typically, that's the safest way. Right. So, um, (laughs) right. However. (laughs) So I worked with this gentleman, um, obstetrician in Louisiana. And he was like, when he got quiet, you paid attention. Cause that's oh. when it was like, he was not at all, um, an alarmist. Right. Um, he was, but like, if he wasn't talking normal, everything was fine. You're good. But if he got real quiet and like very slow to speak, you're like, Oh no, oh, no. it's really bad. Right yeah. And so he just simply said, we have a cord. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I'll open the back, yeah. trying to stay calm. Sure. Um, and he was like, "No, what? I think I can move it." And he, oh. he, the baby was high enough okay. that he was able to slip it back in there, put the cord back in, and kind of shift okay. the baby with pressure wow. down. Yeah, what it's a only skilled provider. Yeah. yeah, it was really cool to see. And actually, yeah. I tried to when I'm in a scary situation, yeah. I try to get quiet yeah. and calm because I feel like that's, that's a way to keep control of the room. Well, that is what they teach you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, very good. Oh, yeah. I love that story. It's so good. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Experience. Yeah. Um. Okay. There's some more reasons. Okay. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Back to the list of reasons. Yeah. Um, a failed operative vaginal delivery, such as using forceps yep. or a vacuum. Vacuum. Thank you. I lost yep. the word for that too. Um, and if that doesn't work, then nothing's going to work. You know. Right. So you got to go. Yeah. Um, certain malpresentations, like mm-hmm. a face presentation. Like if you listened to our friend Becky's story. Yeah. Um, her baby. Her Kardashian lip baby. Yeah. Her. Yeah. So go back and listen to that birth story. It's and a good, good one. Um, a brow presentation brow presentation yeah if you can't tuck them yeah okay um yeah and so yeah straight op sometimes there's all different kind of wonky ways babies can wonky fit themselves that's not really (laughs) like how did this happen because there is there is a way that we're designed to come out yeah of a human and so but you know it's things go things go interesting all the time yep um, certain like congenital anomalies or things, conditions that the baby has that it wouldn't be safe for the baby. Um, or if the baby has a known, um, like blood disorder, clotting disorder mm-hmm. like thrombocytopenia, and then of course, multiple gestations will always be offered a C-section, I believe. I don't know that they're always off. Well, I mean, well, I think it's probably, discussed. But discussed sure, mm-hmm. sure. And good. oftentimes, um, when you have a twin gestation, they're not always vertex vertex. So right. a lot of times they're vertex breach or, yeah. and so there's a whole bunch of other things that go into yeah. to, that. to that. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. good. Okay. Well, that's the list. Well, that is quite involved. Yeah, it is. There's a lot, yeah. of, there's a lot of things. Well, do you think that there's, this is- Oh no, this is a question. <laughs> I hate questions, <laughs> no, Megan. <laughs> do you think, there's anything that uh, like is, is a C-section contraindicated or does anything contraindicate having a C-section? A cesarean. Hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Contraindication for a cesarean. Well, I mean, if it's not necessary, like tea time on Friday, like tea time on, yeah, but like, that goes back to the, like, if you're giving the mother the choice. Yeah, but I'm saying physician, like they have to go make their golfing tea oh, time. Oh, I see. Yeah. You know, like that's a, not, not an appropriate. No, 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 that's not um, a contraindication. <laughs> I, I have to go for golf, yes, but, no, you know, yeah, no, I'm that I use that because it's, it's one of the things that people say yeah, from sure. back in the day, right? which I hope is not like that anymore, but there are probably some locations that people so. feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, there are no true contraindications, right? If you need one, you need one. Right. However, it could not be safe. Like it may not be safe and you'd want to really be mindful if there are like, um, uh, bleeding disorders or clotting disorders in the mom that would make sure. like, a surgery more risky right. than like normal. Yeah. So, but there's nothing, I mean, we're going to do them if we got to do them. Right. right. Exactly. And yeah. we should be prepared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now. Ethically, though, um, a cesarean is contraindicated if the patient refuses. Yeah. Like you cannot take your patient back yep. and give them a without cesarean consent. without consent. Absolutely. Against the law, even. You, Not just ethically, but I think that somebody might be answering to somebody for that. Yeah. So um, you can say, I believe your baby will die. Yeah. If you don't have a cesarean and they can still opt to not have a cesarean. Um, and that is your choice as a human. Yeah. Yep. It's true. I just wanted to mention that. Yeah. Okay. So when we're talking about like, um, cause he said cesareans. Yes. I, I like to use cesarean. I, she does. I, I feel like it's a better like, word. It is. I know it is. It just takes more effort. It does. Anyway. But once you do it, you have a hard time going back. Okay. I've been doing it for like three years now. So, so anyway, <laughs> she's like, I know, I know the way you speak. <laughs> um, so there's different priority levels, right? So you can have just a scheduled routine. Yeah. Cesarean, or if there, there's also certain levels of like urgency. So if I were to call or say, um, you know, you had a patient or I was taking care of a patient and um, they started bleeding profusely. Mm -hmm. And um, there's like words that you would use to communicate how fast the cesarean needs to happen. Yes. Um, and so a routine cesarean, there's no maternal or fetal compromise. Like everything's just going swimmingly. It's often scheduled. Um, sometimes they can not be necessarily scheduled, but maybe it's like a um, a failure to progress or something where the mother is stable and the baby is stable. It's not real urgent, you know, maybe there's lots of times too, like we can identify a cesarean, but it's not urgent and maybe they just ate something. So it would be more risky to do it right now versus mm -hmm. kind of letting them yeah. wait. Um, and then there's like a urgent. So this would be that there is a threat to the life of the woman or, or fetus. Um, and the, from decision to incision incision is 30 minutes mm -hmm. for this. So it's urgent, but it's not emergent. And there's a difference between those because in the earth stat, we would say stat, if it's emergent, like we need to have this baby out right now, that there's maybe the mother's not stable or we're, there's a fetal indication that we're identifying right away. And, um, this is, this is fast people. This is really fast because the time from that, um, decision to incision is only 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So 
And um, sometimes, and you have, I almost was a part of this and it was horrifying to think about, and you probably have been there for this before, but um, where you have to, we just call it a, like a, a splash, splash and dash. And you just have to use, we throw on some betadine um, antiseptic and then you just have to go. And of course, if the mother refuses, then we would never You're right. we just talked about that. But um, most mothers would consent to an unmedic unmedicated cesarean to save the life of their baby. And then that gets pretty traumatic. Mm-hmm. But I, it almost happened, and I've never been so glad to see Anastasia walk in the door, mm-hmm. and we had her out in moments, moments, yeah, moments, and then she didn't have to experience that trauma. Yeah. But anyway, that can be really scary. Yeah. Um, but sometimes that happens. Mm-hmm. But um, we're at the hospital. We are. We go through drills and we train for these kind of things. Mm-hmm. So if you come in, um, often we can we can save everybody, but sometimes it's not possible. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Way to like get us down there. I know. Is that the end? No. Oh, thank gosh. Like yeah, you got more positive things to say? Yeah. Oh, we got, uh, a, lot <laughs> more. We got a lot more stuff. There's a lot more. Well, yeah. Wow, okay. Megan. I'm impressed. So, <laughs> I like this well, episode. Oh, I'm having a good time. So we have, um, I don't know. I don't think this is in like all hospitals. I'm sure not. Smaller ones probably not. Anyway, we have a, an OR, an operating room like on our unit. Yeah. So we actually have a pretty small unit. I don't know how many beds we have, but it's not that many, like a dozen or yeah. something like that. And, um, and we have more, it's more than that, but somewhere between it, Christina's counting. I'll let her count. Um, anyway, so we can get like, it'll, it takes us literally 30 seconds to get from a room to the OR if we need to. Um, but sometimes we'll have to do one in our main OR so if you have to do anything like um, maybe there's a known accreta that we talked about. Did you figure it out? There's 10 um, birthing rooms, including the tub room. Ten and rooms. then there's um, five or six uh, like, surgical, like rooms. surgical rooms. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. So Sorry. it's not a huge, it's not, we don't work in like a huge hospital, but um, it's yeah. big enough for some fun stuff. Anyway. Um, so If somebody is going to, it would be safer for somebody to deliver in the main OR where there's more people and um, like resources and stuff like that. Sure. Um, So if somebody is morbidly obese, Mm -hmm. um, that would be a reason to do that. If they've had more than four Uh C-sections, cesareans already. Thank you. Um, If they have (laughs) a complete um, previa so that um sometimes they'll do it in there that would be a reason um or a an accreta too that we talked about um or a planned hysterectomy Mm -hmm. um, because we're not equipped to do that in our unit in particular um and also when we have triplets we like to do those in the main OR. there's more room there's more room yeah Mm -hmm. so um yeah, that's in our the main OR isn't too far. One time, me and four other nurses, we got on a bed, not on the bed, but there we were on each corner post of the bed because we had to go there very rapidly. And it was very exciting. And I've never, I only ever run. That's a long hallway. Ran, okay. I only ever run at work <laughs> to save a life or from mosquitoes at Creamer's Field. 
and <laughs> and we there were four of us on that bed and we ran all, all the way from our unit to the main OR. Thankfully, there was no elevators or anything. But the way that we took those corners, I was like, wow, we are like beasts on this bed. We didn't even run into a wall or anything. <laughs> You know you're doing good when you don't run into the wall. How long did it take you to get there? Oh, it couldn't have been more than 45 seconds. Wow. I mean, we were running. That's a long hallway. It is a long hallway. I mean, it is a journey. It is a journey. There's no elevators, but it is a journey. Yeah. It may be a... I don't know. You know, time is so distorted when you're... It would probably take them three minutes. No, I'm kidding. It didn't take three minutes. No, it didn't. take three minutes. Anyway, but what was happening, we were running down this hall. Yeah. And there's this, and it's a very long hall. And so at the, towards the end of the hall. There's double doors. Well, no, there's this man and he's walk, leisurely walking towards us. Okay. And I'm like, dude, what, what is happening right now? You, we are running. <laughs> there are four people on this bed. Nurses running. running. Nurses, there was three nurses in the, in the, the provider. Running, and, yeah, and it turns out it was anesthesia, and I think he maybe was, was understanding confused? or confused, and then I think he realized who we were while we were doing it. So then he turned around and started walking. But <laughs> I just like you're about to get run over. Like get out the way, you know. Actually, go into the OR because you're supposed to be there right now. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. Because we were expecting this case, but it just turned out to be like emergent. Like all of a sudden, like it needed to happen. Right, and that happens, man. No, I know it, that was a fun time. Was See. Good outcome, everyone. Yeah. So labor nurses and providers were a wee bit of adrenaline junkies. Yeah, but I don't in... want to jump from an airplane. Oh, I liked that. I don't just like that fine. kind of adrenaline. That was but I like wonderful a good adrenaline. Emergency. Yeah. Well, so yeah. And then afterwards we get a little shaky, yeah. but in it we're rock solid. Oh, like we yes. know what to do and how to do it. Yeah. And then afterwards you're like, wow, that just oh happened. Gosh. And then you're a little shaky because the adrenaline is everywhere. It takes two hours for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. I think, you know, obstetric emergencies give me the same adrenaline as when I jumped out of an yeah, airplane. I'm sure it yeah. does. I've never experienced anything like it it's yeah. just it's really it's a good time you know <laughs> saving lives it's just not it's... a good time like i don't want to do it no you're saving lives i know it's so it's great that so you're saving like but i would rather everybody just have a beautiful birth that's true i would rather it be just beautiful no me too i do want a beautiful birth for everybody that's my greatest yeah. desire for everyone yeah but if things go awry which they do we got you we got you yeah. megan's gonna run and I pretend that you're a mosquito. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Run faster. I was running this happen last summer and the summer before. And Micaiah was behind me this last summer because she was like, Mom, I didn't know you ran. <laughs> <laughs> so now she tells everybody her mom runs from mosquitoes, which is not a lie. That is really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why would I ever go into the forest without... Some kind of mosquito protection. Anyway, it's my fault. Okay, back to the wrist. Let's go back to cesareans. I'll get this. You will eventually. I I even wrote it in here. I don't even think I have C-section in my notes at all. It's It's just, it's what we're used to saying as labor and delivery providers. I know. Yeah. Okay, so. Culture of change. Culture of change. So the first, the biggest risk of a cesarean is going to be infection. Yeah. Right. And I think one of the things that I don't remember if I put this in my notes, but I definitely wanted to say it is that when you have a cesarean 
it, it's, you know, everyone's like, oh, you just birthed a baby. Like, that's really cool. And now you just like going with your life, right? Because you birthed a baby. But if you had like major abdominal surgery without birthing a baby, people are going to be like, oh my gosh, you have this like major abdominal surgery. Mm-hmm. But with a c- cesarean, I think that sometimes people forget too that you've had, and you yourself may forget that you had this major abdominal surgery. Like if you remember yep. from the beginning of the episode, all of the different layers of tissue that you'll have to um, cut through, this is not something that can be done laparoscopically with a couple little holes. Yeah. You, know, you have to make a really big yeah. Like, now we don't cut all of those layers, but some of them are manually separated. Or so, yeah. yeah. So, but they're all separate. They're all separated yeah, they're and all gone separated. through. Yes, they're all separated yeah. and gone through. And um, anyway, it's kind of a big deal to recover. It's a huge I mean? deal. But then there's all this um, just infection. You know, if you're not careful, and yeah, all, you know, we're very, very careful to do our very best to prevent infection in all different ways. There's all different mm-hmm. kinds of things we do, but it's def- it's a definite risk. Um, hemorrhaging or a greater, you're going to have greater blood loss with the cesarean just by the nature of it mm-hmm. going through blood vessels and stuff like that. Um, and so then just a higher risk, um, for hemorrhaging, mm-hmm. um, you, uh, greater risk for a blood clot because you are now a post-surgical patient. Yeah. And so one of the, well, there's two really big risks of surgery, any kind of surgery. And one of them is blood clots just from sitting around doing nothing mm-hmm. um, while you're healing and trying to, you know, get back to where you were and uh, pneumonia because when we're up and moving around, we're like coughing and removing the fluids and we're really, we're using the the lower bases of our lungs when we're moving and active. Whereas when we're lying down, we're taking more shallow breaths and um, not getting all of the fluid out of our lower lungs. Yep, exactly. And so we do things too and help, help people to prevent those things. Yeah. They are a risk. Um, injury to the bowel or bladder. So, um, you know, you can, there's always a risk you're in that same area of cutting or nicking the bladder. Um, again, we do, we have precautions that help to protect that. We put in a Foley catheter. We'll get to that too when we talk about the different steps, but um, just to keep the bladder deflated. And then we use like, it's called a bladder blade and it's this metal thing that kind of goes in front of the bladder just to prevent that. But again, a risk. Um, uh, cuts that might... Um, weaken the uterine wall. So here we are. We're going to talk about the different types of incisions. Um, So you have the um, classical. So this is like a high transverse cut, but it's through like the contractile portion of the uterus. And so they used to do this kind of in the beginning when they were figuring out, if you um, listen to my episode, um, the last episode about the history of, they did a lot of kind of experiments with trying to figure out what was the best way. Um, and the best way is going to be a low transverse horizontal cut, um, but really low. Like a bikini like, cut, yeah, they bikini, call it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right there. Um, and that's just going to heal better and it's going to be less likely to kind of come open later too. Um, and then you have also um, a low vertical cut. And so if you think about cutting through all of the different muscle fibers when you're doing that, um, so that would weaken the uterine wall for later on. And then a T incision. And this is just what it sounds like. It's just a T incision. Upside down. Upside down T incision. Yep. And um, this almost always, and Christina, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is almost always if the baby is not coming out with the... Um, yeah the recommended ways right they're having trouble or something's going wrong and or 
or um, if you're preterm, a lot of times oh, because okay. um, the pre so full term babies sit in the lower uterine yeah. segment are easy to grab, but those tiny babies okay. they sit at the fundus mm -hmm. or the top of the uterus, and so sometimes you're like having to get up hard farther, and it's hard to do that. Um, and if you're at all cutting into that upper portion of the uterus, then it's contraindicated yeah. to trial labor again. Yeah. yeah. So we try to get to that just that lower transverse, but we got to get a baby out. The, yeah. You got to do what you got to do. Yep. Um, yeah. So those are the different kind of cuts that you might see yeah. for whatever reasons. Um, there's also risks from general anesthesia. There's, um, there's lots of different things that can happen with anesthesia. Um, you could have an allergy. Um, you could have some respiratory or cardiovascular issues. You could aspirate. aspirate. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So yep. all those things can happen from anesthesia. Um, there's also, you could have um, fetal injury, you know, when you're taking the baby out and an increased risk for respiratory support for the baby because there wasn't the big squish, squish. vaginally. So I think it's a, the primary risks. I think that it's important too, to say that those risks are very low. Yes. We do cesarean so much. Yeah. Um, 20, how many percent? 27, uh, 22 to 31% of, oh, yeah. um, yeah. women and, um, and this that means you're, most people. that means yeah. you're real good at it. Yeah. You've perfected it. You've, yeah. you do it enough. So to prevent those risks that can occur and yeah. they still do happen, but it's uncommon. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Okay. So maybe you are pregnant right now and maybe you are expecting to have a cesarean like and you have no idea what to expect well let me tell you so <laughs> let me tell you so it's really important to talk to your provider about your wishes and I think sometimes especially if you were expecting a vaginal delivery and now like you know things have changed and um we've talked about expectations of birth yeah. and stuff like that and just how that can be really hard um there are certain things that we can still try to accommodate during a cesarean. So it's really important to talk to your provider about things like delayed cord clamping and skin to skin in the OR and all of these things that mm -hmm. like you may um, think that you can't have, but there's yeah. lots of OR or there's lots of hospitals that do these things yeah. as long as it's safe to do so. Um, you'll get a consent. Um, you'll have to, you know, consent to a surgery. It's a major surgery. Um, you'll need to shower with like an antiseptic, um, wash usually the night before each hospital has kind of its own routine for things, mm -hmm. but, um, you'll wash the night before and the next morning. Usually, um, you'll not be able to take anything by mouth after a certain time. So say you are scheduled for maybe 8am or something, you shouldn't have anything to eat or drink after midnight. However, that's dependent on the facility because the university of Washington, I feel like is doing good things for their fleas because they tell their patients to have apple juice eight and two hours before surgery. So you can for drink juice. stuff. Yeah. It helps maintain your blood sugar yeah. for an I operation. It's really mm -hmm. a great thing where we tell everybody nothing really. I think it's, what? I think it, yeah, I think, well, I think but it might have changed a little bit for oh. some other surgeries. Oh, very good. So I think we're, we're, we're moving. Terrible. We're okay. moving in the right direction. Um, yeah. But if you have like a, uh, like you're scheduled for like 2 p.m. or something, 
And usually they'll just say nothing after midnight, but that doesn't make sense because why can the person at 8 a.m. have nothing after midnight and the person at 2 p.m.? Like, let's adjust our times. Anyway, that's just my personal <laughs> total opinion right now. Okay. Um, you'll be asked to arrive to the hospital two to three hours before your scheduled surgery. There's like lots to do. Um, we're, we'll monitor your baby. Just make sure everything looks healthy with your baby. We'll, you will start an IV. You have to have an IV to have surgery. We'll get fluids going because anesthesia can sometimes drop your blood pressure. And we just want to make sure you have the volume and you haven't been drinking like you normally would. Um, we'll get labs and just look at your, um, your different blood counts and we'll type your blood too, in case you need blood. Um, cause there is that higher risk of bleeding. Um, then we just ask you a ton of questions and, um, you know, do a head to toe assessment, give you the good ones over, um, before you go back or as you're going back, generally we'll give you some antibiotics just to help to prevent infection. And also what's called some bicitra, which is this, um, it's like an antacid, but it's really, it's almost like a grapey, soury, tasty thing. I tell people um, to drink it like a shot. Me too. That's what mm -hmm. I say. Drink it like a shot. Just Smells it. good. Tastes bitter. Yeah. Tastes bitter. Yep. Um, and then we do another wipe down of your body. So all of this antiseptic wash and wipes and stuff is really to help to prevent any infection. And it, it works pretty good if we do all of these things. Um, you know, nail polish. I find that it doesn't really matter nowadays. Most yeah. of the time, like our equipment is so good. They used to say you couldn't have nail polish or nails any, or anything like that because we got to be able to monitor your oxygen and your fingers. But I, I feel like I have zero problem doing that. And so, but I do remember when I first started working, those nurses that made their patients take off all their stuff. I yeah. don't do that. But I do tell them, I do say like it could potentially be a thing where we're going to have to ask you to take off your nail polish, but we got this stuff to worry. And then you'll need to remove any jewelry, um, any dentures or like um, metal hair accessories, stuff like that. Cause we will be using them um, like a cautery um, that there's a fire risk too. Yeah. Um, and then you'll get to talk to anesthesia before. And then um, once you get, once you're in the OR, um, a nurse is going to be with you, kind of talk you through it. If you have a midwife, they're really good about being at, at the bedside too. Um, the actual surgery takes about 45 minutes to an hour, depending on the provider. Some are faster, some are not as fast. Or if there's complications, it could take a little bit longer. Or if you've had um, cesareans before and you have scar, scar tissue, tissue. Um, it yeah. takes a little bit longer. Yeah, they like to yeah kind of deal with that. Um if it's routine and it's not an emergency, then we're going to just probably ask you to walk down to the OR. If it's an emergency, we're going to take you in the bed. Um, and she's going to run. And we're going to run. Actually, <laughs> if it is an emergency, we run. We do. We run. Um, uh, you'll, you'll get either, it depends. So ideally, you will get a spinal or epidural anesthesia. If you already have an epidural, it's great. Um, otherwise, you'll do get some spinal anesthesia. If for some reason you have to have a general anesthesia or be put to sleep, um, then things are just there's a little bit modification about what we do. We'll talk a little bit about that. But um, we put in, we um, clean your belly, we clean the vagina, we put in a Foley catheter to empty the bladder that stays in for a little while. We put a little pad on your leg. Um, it's like a grounding pad for the cautery that we use. And then a drape will go between your abdomen and head. So you won't be able to like see what's going on, but most of ours have mirrors. I think if you wanted to check out what's going on and some of the drapes are clear uh, yeah. so you can see yeah. through and um, it's like, it's not clear the whole time. So there's like two parts to it. Mm -hmm. So you, 
pull the blue one down and you can see through and then they can put it back up if you don't want to like continue yeah. watching. Um, and then somebody was just mentioning to me today, actually, she wanted to know about if we did a gentle birth and that they have these new um, drapes that will allow them to pass the baby through a sterile tube from the sterile side to the maternal side so that babies could stay Delayed cord clamping oh. and skin to skin at the oh, same time. And I was like, I've never heard of this. I'm going to have to look it up. Yeah, I would be, learn I would be interested to learn more. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, we talked about that. Okay, and then you're going to, um, you'll kind of lay down and you'll be like at a tilt. You're going to feel like you're going to fall off the bed maybe, but you're not going to. Don't worry. Um, we also do right before the cut, we do like a timeout. So you'll hear everybody agreeing that we're all agreeing to do the surgery with the right person. It just, you know, prevents issues later on. Um, and it takes about five to 10 minutes to get the baby out after the incision starts, depending on lots of different variables and factors, but it doesn't take too long. And then um, at our hospital, if the baby looks good, everything's good, then we do try to offer skin to skin um, and delayed cord company. I've seen it done mm -hmm too as long as the baby looks good yep and everybody is safe and, and healthy. some mamas even breastfeed back there oh yeah definitely yeah it's really great so we try yep. to accommodate any of those things i think we're we really are um, yeah mama baby friendly at our hospital um then after that then they'll close things up this takes a little bit longer you're going to hear lots of counting happening because we want to make sure that mm -hmm. we don't leave anything in your abdomen um and then the actual skin can be closed various ways. There's yeah. lots of different things. When I first started 13 years ago, we had just gotten the Enzorb. Maybe it was shortly after, but the, the Enzorb been that long? staples. Yeah, it was maybe a, within a, the first year I was there. Wow. So the you can think of the traditional staples, and then those would have to be removed. Hardly anyone uses those anymore. Um, the Enzorb staples are really great because they absorb underneath the skin. Um, and then um also you could just use like if there's a needle it looks like a traditional like suture and then you can um we can use a skin adhesive like a derma bond or a glue um four by fours or steri strips or telfa to close up um and then you're going to go back to the or for about an, or the pacu for about an hour where mm -hmm. we're just going to make sure you're going to be stable pacu is a recovery room recovery room where you can start having ice chips and drinks and where you're going to start breastfeeding if that's something you want to do and um your hospital stay is like two to four days two depending to four on days, depending on the insurance or the place the military hospital or your, will kick you out after two but we can we'll keep you till four depending on hospital depending on but, how you're doing yeah, too like yeah. you don't also don't usually pay for they'll pay for up to four but you also yeah. don't want to stay in the hospital no. where there's infection if you yeah. don't if you don't need to yeah so remember that and there's yeah. various reasons you would go home or stay yeah you know exactly yeah um we can do different pain management stuff there's this new kind of well it's not really new but in the past few years um it's like a uh, a bupivacaine analgesic and so it's non-narcotic and they can kind of numb the area and it's that's like really a great. tap block a tap block yeah it's trans transverse abdominis plane block and um that's done often in the PACU it can be done in the OR too um sometimes it's not it doesn't happen very often but we can put some morphine through your spinal or epidural um and then you'll get IV medicines um 
different, we can give different IV medicines. The, I, the goal would be to get you on some by mouth pain reliever, um, ibuprofen, Tylenol, um, oxys, um, stuff like that. Um, you'll be hooked up to continuous pulse socks. You're hooked up to a bunch of stuff for about the first 24 hours. It'll be dependent on your facility, but the goal is to get you up and moving six hours after delivery. Mm -hmm. And because that reduces the risk of those blood clots and um, uh, any pulmonary issues or pneumonia, um, gas pain can be worse than incision pain. If you are not moving your gas, your bowels kind of slow down during surgery yeah. and it can take a little while for them to pick back up and um, women will complain of this immense gas pain that is far worse than any incision pain. So um, getting up and moving helps to move those bowels. I, gas going. Well, I'll tell about it in my birth story. Never okay. mind. Yeah. Don't give away any of that. Okay. Um, <laughs> yep. You can go home about, oh, there's kind of a fine line too between moving enough and too much. Yeah. And so know your own body's limitations, but you know, you got to, put a little, um, go a little bit more than you want to, right. but not too much. Yes. Um, and just, you can, uh, the same stuff is going to kind of happen, um, to like, you're going to watch your bleeding. You can bleed for six, up to six weeks, nothing in the vagina for six weeks. You're going to monitor your incision, make sure it's not red and oozy. Um, it looks like it's healing. Make sure you keep your six week postpartum appointment by then you should be all healed up and ready to move on. You're going to have some um, lifting limitations and stuff like that during this time. Yeah. And just remember that it's major abdominal surgery. And so you're not only taking care of a baby, but you're recovering your own body. Right. So, um, and another thing that I just to end on this, cause I think it's really important. Um, we always do postpartum depression screens on our yes. house and we'll have a whole episode about this too. But if you have, if you are at risk for that, um, 6.5 to 20% of women suffer from postpartum depression. And so with all these other things going on, like make sure you take care of yourself and your own mental health. And, um, there's lots of resources, talk to your provider. Um, yeah. um, hopefully your facility will give you all the resources you need to be able to be successful and hook up with some mental health stuff and then accept help from your family and friends. Yep. Um, they want to help you. They love you. I'm sure you're quite a lovable individual yep. and um, they want to bring you food and um, just make sure you're okay. So um, sometimes if you're like me, you just want to do all this stuff yourself, but you have to just accept help from those accept, who love you. So. Accept help. And um, also during this time, you're going to be trying to breastfeed your baby, which will be full of its own challenges. So again, yep. There's lots of resources. Just give yourself yeah. some grace. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's cesarean sections. Wow. You did it. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. What good information. Well, I hope so. And then you went through the procedure too, which I didn't realize you were going to do. And I think yeah. that that's wonderful for people um, to know yeah. what happens and how much I goes think. into it and like what to yeah. expect. I think that's really, really important. It's, I think so too. Something that I always try to do if I have time or try to make time, there's not always time, but um, you know, when people know what to expect, then they aren't so nervous about it. Yeah. And so I, whether it's a vaginal delivery or a cesarean, like if I have the time, I go through all of those things that we yeah. just went through because it gives them some peace of mind. Yeah. But that's it. Yay. Well, we hope you feel enlightened. Bye.